give up. <laughs> you have no friends. <laughs> give up. Your life is coming to an end. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, we cover another iconic album of the 80s. It's Peter Gabriel and So. So what? So what? So let's dance! With me as always, he's shocking the monkey, and I'd like to hit him with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Times pop music critic, Sean Daly. You know what my nickname was in uh, high school? Tell me. Big time. Hi there! And Red sure. Rain. I'm not sure why that. Uh, yeah. There are bizarre reasons for that that I won't get into right now. It's very medical, my Red yeah. Rain disease. We've, we've done this series for a while now. We've covered, we've covered Thriller. We've covered Invisible Touch. Yes. We covered the Pet Shop Boys. What? I'm just kidding. This is an outrage. But uh, today we brought in a ringer. Yes. This is so exciting. Maybe our most special... Special guest ever. Right. Someone whose qualifications are too numerous to mention. Too numerous. Don't mention them. In fact, don't mention a single one. Member of the Honorable. Assistant to the assistant manager of the movie theater. Ladies and gentlemen, only the second fan to sit in our beloved studio, I give you Bass Note. Hey, stuck in the 80s nation. (laughs) (laughs) Bass Note. It's surreal to be sitting here across from Bass Note. He's wearing a Peter Gabriel shirt. Because and he, Sean's wearing a shirt that's hurting my eyes. What? No, no, don't start doing the turning around on me. This is a nice shirt. What would you call this? Gunmetal blue or something? Very, re- very reflective. <laughs> it is very reflective. Yeah, I'm in a reflective mood. Do you wash it with Windex? <laughs> this is an expensive shirt. That's it. I'm leaving. Podcast over. Well, I, you know, for uh, uh, podcast fans. Uh, and uh, fans of the Pop Life blog and the um, Stuck in the 80s blog, people know Bass Note as one of our most loyal uh, friends, fans, readers, listeners, but he's also one of our most caustic. He will put us in our place if we have done something wrong. Only you. Only you. That is not true at all. You've gotten on Steve <laughs> yeah. a lot, too. I said Pink Floyd sucks once, and based on yes, you, yes, you were yes. furious. I did, I did take some umbrage to the Pink Floyd comments. but Did you think you weren't going to listen to the show anymore? You were furious with us? Oh, no. No. I take, I take everything with a grain of salt. Maybe after this show. Who crosses the line more as far as taste, um, those sort of things, uh, Steve or, or Sean? Mm, gotta say you. What? <laughs> Come on! Look at look at Spears smiling like he just ate a ring ding or something. <laughs> I haven't seen you that happy since the you know onions, the funion eating. Uh, anyway, well, we have Bass Note here, and Bass Note is a huge Peter Gabriel fan. Is he your favorite artist? 
I would say yes. Yes, yeah. I have been a big Peter Gabriel fan since the early 80s. Nice. So uh, not so much Genesis, solo Peter I, Gabriel. I, I do like Genesis, but uh, I, I consider Gabriel's solo career completely separate from Genesis. So I, as, as a solo artist, I think Gabriel is probably one of the, the best ones out there. Now, I want to say something real quick. This might be a little bit off topic. But you oh. have tremendous facial hair, Bass Note. Thank you. It's very well-groomed. Thank you. I appreciate it. I that. have the inability to grow <laughs> facial hair. Yeah. But lo- a few people know that in college, Steve had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yes, yes. We anyway, so um, can you tell us uh, where you're from? Make it vague, because we have some people that might try to hunt uh, you down. I'm just from the western burbs of the Chicago area. Really? Do you get into Chicago much? Not much. Steve and I were talking about it earlier. I only get into the city maybe two, three times a year. Really? Now, have you seen Peter Gabriel in uh, the great city of Chicago? Yes, I have. And he's a great... Uh, did you see him for this tour, the So Tour that we're talking about I today? did. I saw him twice on the So Tour. What was that like? It was great. It was fantastic. The first time I saw him was at the Rosemont Horizon before it got became the Allstate Arena, which it is now. Is that where the Bulls play? No. The Bulls play at the United Center. Oh, is it DePaul play there? Somebody, Some sporting team plays at Rosemont, no? I'm not sure. Uh, your command of the facts astounds me. <laughs> <laughs> and his, but Peter Gabriel's live shows are insanity, right? Not really insanity. He's very theatrical live, which he, he draws the he, he draws the audience in very well with uh, his shows and his his lighting effects and things like that. You, you you get the feel like you you get the feeling like you've gone to a really great theatrical production when you see Peter Gabriel. Like for uh, was it Big Time or Sledgehammer? Didn't he come out with like fake muscles? Didn't he play with fake muscles? In that that was that was for actually for Steam off the Us album. Ah, again, my fact defeated. Now, Steve, you've also seen uh, Peter Gabriel. No, no, really? he's on my list. He's he's like him and uh, God. Who else is left on the list anymore? God, I've seen, I, I don't know who's seen more concerts. You've seen more concerts than me, obviously. But I mean, who's still on your wish list? Would Peter Gabriel be on it? You know, it was ACDC until last year. I saw the Black Ice yeah. tour. I'm trying to think who I have left on my list. Yeah, I'd like to see Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've seen Dylan. Uh, geez, I don't know. Who's on your list, Base Note? You uh, U2 see? is still on my list. Wow. I have not seen U2. Wow. And uh, if Pink Floyd ever tours again, I have never seen Pink Floyd live. I'd love to see Spandau Ballet live. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I'd love to see Spandau Ballet with Natalie Dippenbaugh. Drink, drink, drink. Blue eyes are not bright. I start when they're shining on me. Ah, bust out all the hits. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm over here. Who else likes Peter Gabriel? Carol Jansen. Okay, now we really are out of effects. That's it. So here's the deal. Um, throughout the history of the podcast, we take time out to examine one of the iconic albums of the 80s. Just this last week on the blog, we did a, a list of the 80 albums that every 80s fan should own. On that list, of course, is Peter Gabriel's So. Did you count down from 80 to 1? No, they're alphabetical order. People are still furious that Night Ranger didn't make the cut. Nothing no. from Night Ranger? What what number did So fall at? No, there are no numbers, just alphabetical order. Oh, okay. Alphabetical I would have put So in the top five. Is it done? Is the list done? It's done. Yeah. It's there for everyone to see. People are, are whining about no Madonna. They're whining about no... Oh, uh, don't ever whine about no Madonna. Yeah. They whine about the whole uh, Night Ranger. Night Ranger, for some reason, their fans are coming out of the woodwork. They demand 
that they be included in this. How could you not put Madonna's Like a Virgin? I, I was thinking of her more as a singles artist and a, and a video artist, not an album artist. There's a lot of hit singles off of that album. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have an album feel, though. When you think album, you think Peter Gabriel. You don't think Madonna. Madonna. I never think Madonna, but that's just me. I'll have to check out Stuck in the 80s. <laughs> I was at the Super Bowl. I was covering the Super Bowl all weekend. I haven't seen your yes, illustrious list. It's great. You no, know, I haven't been in front of a computer all week either, so I haven't seen the list. Ah! <laughs> Life, pop life. <laughs> so here's right, how we're gonna go. do it. We're gonna go track by track. Track by track. We're gonna talk about it. All right. Track number one, Red Rain. Red Rain. Bass note, tell us. Red Rain, this amazing kickoff. What a number to kick off an album. You know? Very, very good. I think one of the most underrated opening cuts on an album ever. Ever? Ever. Ooh. I would have ever said. Just, just that starting hi-hat played by <gasps> Stuck in the 80s friend Stuart Copeland. That's right. Dan, yeah. that was my one bit of trivia I had for the show. Yeah. That was the only research I did. We didn't ask him about that. We should have. You bogarted my... Oh, Damn. sorry about that, Sean. What's Red Rain about? Red Rain... Um, there's this character that Peter Gabriel has running through several of his songs called Mozo. <laughs> this this awesome. is some character that he has had since the er, since the his early solo career in the seventies. Are you sure it's not Moho? No, it's because that makes for an awfully tasty chicken. It does. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Larry? No. <laughs> My imaginary no, but, friend. Uh, a couple other songs that feature the character of Mozo are Exposure and On the Air off his second solo album. Mozo. But um, actually, in his, I have a, a little book here by a guy named Armando Gallo, who is a, a photographer who's been taking pictures of Gabriel since the Genesis days and it became a close friend with Peter Gabriel. And Gabriel says that the red rain is actually blood. Wow. Didn't see that coming. No. no, didn't see that coming. And it's like being caught in the middle of a personal storm. And... Uh, he said it started out as a song about Mozo, but then it became more personal to him. God, this show has content. Yeah. That's more content <laughs> in one little bit that we've had in like six or seven shows. I think we should be eating some snack foods or something to bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> got, any, got any of that salmon jerky left? Oh, oh man. And it's colon. Yeah. <laughs> Festering. I can't, I can't overestimate the, Spawning other the hideousness salmon. of that smell. That was awesome. I've smelled corpses before. Human corpses that smelled much better than the salmon jerky. Have we ever seen Mozo? Has there ever been artwork of Mozo? No, I don't believe so. It's just a character that runs through his songs. God, that's How amazing. long has it been since we've seen Mozo pop up in a song? Has it been a while? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's been a Mozo song since Red Ring. So what, Gabriel's a new album coming out this year, and it's an album of covers. Oh. An album of cover songs. Scratch My Back. <sighs> Scratch My Back. I can't tell you how much that thrills me. Yeah, Steve hates covers. I happen to like them. Well, the interesting thing is there's supposed to be a companion album coming out called I'll Scratch Yours, in which all the artists that Gabriel covers are covering him. Um, cool. So that's it would be different. interesting to hear Paul Simon covering Peter Gabriel. Well, is it int- I know why you say that, because they both have the, um, like that Soweto, right? The, the Upper West Side Soweto influence, right? Well, Big Gabriel is covering... Um, you Soon the Door... Mutual friend, I imagine. Yes, they, they played on both So and Graceland. 
Awesome. See? Boom. Look at that, Spears. Yeah. But on, on the new album, Peter Gabriel is covering Paul Simon's The Boy in the Bubble from the Graceland album. Awesome. Nice. Bass note. Graceland is an album you know we got to get around to. Yeah. Sooner or later. We're going to have a bass note back for that. You a big Paul No, Simon actually, fan? you need my wife for that one. Bring my, her in. My wife yes, is, is we the, need your wife. My wife is for a that big one. Bruce Springsteen and Paul Simon. That's right. Fan. Whenever I have like a so, Springsteen bit, you always like chime in. You're going to get it yeah. for your wife. Does she, we do, what do we call her? Mrs. Bass note? Uh, let's call her Mrs. Bass note. Mrs. Yes. Bass note? Which I got I to gotta wish a happy birthday to uh, Mrs. Bass note, whose birthday was yesterday. Oh, happy oh, birthday, nice. Mrs. Can you play her little music, Steve? She's crap. She gets around, she's crafty She's always down, she's crafty Got it great, she's crafty And she's just my type She's crafty Aw, Steve, come on Sorry, man the salmon uh, turkey is still making you I don't crazy. know if my wife's going to appreciate that one. Sorry. Oh, she'll love Sorry. it. Sorry. We love you, Mrs. Basenot. Happy birthday. Now, track number two on uh, Peter Gabriel. So this is, of course, the song everyone recognizes. It's also the beginning of Name That 80s Tune. Really? The doo-loo, Yeah. That's doo-loo, Spazzy. Not good. Yes. Here we go. The number two track on So is a little song I like to call Sledgehammer. I want to be Great percussive oomph to Sledgehammer. Bass note, you're on, baby. This is actually Peter Gabriel's tribute to Otis Redding. What? That's that's very true. The big O? When he was 17 years old, he went to see Otis Redding and the Ram Jam Band in Brixton and was blown away by it. And actually, the trumpet player who plays on Sledgehammer, Wayne Jackson, was the trumpet player who was playing for Otis Redding at that concert. Jeez. Oh, man, that's uh, was he Stax? Was he a Stax guy? I believe Otis Redding was Stax. No, Otis Redding was definitely Stax. I didn't know if the but but he later went. Yeah, I mean, to, and Atlanta if you look on Wikipedia, it says it was his tribute to Motown. It was actually Peter Gabriel was more into Otis Redding and his people on the Stax label, and he was yeah. Motown. Stax wasn't so much. Yeah. Uh, or Stax was Otis. That's so he, he, he just liked you know the the. God, I had the, no idea that was Otis Redding. It's weird. Well, a lot of the British. Uh, Rock stars, I mean, they well, always no, no, go no. back I, to... I, I, I agree with that, but I'm saying when you listen to Sledgehammer, you don't You don't. Think, I don't hear you know, it, yeah. I've been loving you. It's, it's, you also get Gabriel's playful side there, which, you know, his open open sexual references, which you don't get in a lot of his songs. He's quite whimsical and puckish on Sledgehammer. <laughs> yes, very nice. Yes. I still maintain that when I, hear, when I hear this song, I see the video in my head more than I hear the song. Right up to the dancing chickens part. It's probably true. I, I always see the him in the lighted suit at the end doing a little yeah. arm movement. Yeah, it's. I, I think I named this the best. No, number two video in the eighties. Number yeah, one. Yeah, the stop motion animation by Ardman Animators, who of course did Wallace and Gromit. And the chickens, the dancing chickens, done by Nick Park himself, the man who created Wallace and Gromit. God, that's great. Awesome. Awesome. He comes back. Doesn't the same people do the uh, the big time video? Yes, I believe they did. It wasn't 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 as popular as Sledgehammer, but I actually liked that video better. I just like the little Rambo character with Gabriel's head on it, oh, running <laughs> running around through the video. Huh. Now, now track number three is is my personal favorite. I don't know if we've gotten to your personal favorites yet. It's my favorite too, Steve. Great, thank you, thank you for stealing my one bit of thunder, my personal slice of pain, a piece of Spearsy's heart in the podcast. Now usurped by Sean Daly. Here you go. No fight left, or so it seems. I 
Take it away. Now let's hear more about Spearsy's pain, because that's always so interesting. <laughs> uh, come on, come on, come on. Let's, let's, let's give him a rendition of this one, Sean. Yeah. I, want you, I want you to the hug. I just tell Spears to give up. Give up! <laughs> no, no. You have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> give up! Your life is coming to an end. <laughs> Woo! Give me more a cup so. to throw at Spearsy. More so than you know. Oh, oh! There you go. He's always got to slide in. Oh, is he is he serious or is he joking? Let's call him and go out with him. That never happens. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love this. Uh, don't give up, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush. I quoted some of this on my as my Facebook status the other day, and every and I got half the people like base note knew I was quoting "Don't Give Up." The other half were calling the suicide hotline for help. <laughs> Could you function as like a happy guy? What if you were happy all the time? Could I you, mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't, don't want to worry listeners that's that like, Spears is going to be happy. That's like, that's like asking me if I could I function as a slim athletic guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think I'd fail in that department as well. So, so tell, us, tell us about Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up was inspired by... I'm reading, I'm reading this out of the Armando Gallo book again. Peter Gabriel saw a television program about... Uh, people who are unemployed and he said that uh, there are many who have problems with relationships and because they lose self-respect they don't feel wanted and that's kind of uh, the running theme on that song but the reason he brought Kate Bush in was to kind of give a little message of hope in the middle of all that despair she sings the hook so the video there's two versions of the video one of which has Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel embraced for the entire song right Mm-hmm. Spin, well, as the camera spins around him and saying that that to me is my favorite version of the video that's one I think of I, I agree that's the better version of the, of the video the other version is like you see like an empty room and you, there's like a chair that goes flying through it and nice I, I never quite understood the visual yeah. on that one uh, I have a, a, a cover of this song and it looks like it was from 2005 I forget when I bought it but Bono and Alicia Keys did it for uh, World AIDS Day, and it's quite nice. You can tell with Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush, there's real, there's chemistry there. Who knows if they're in the same studio? I don't know. But with Bono and Alicia Keys, you get the feeling they're about five thousand miles away. I mean, it, it, you know, it's nice. There's star power there, but it doesn't even come close to the original. Well, this this isn't really the first duet between Gabriel and Kate Bush. There was a, a song she had a Christmas special. I bet that was 19, lots of laughs. laughs. On, on the BBC in 1977, and there was a song called Just Another Day, in which the two of them performed a duet on that, and it's very hard to find audio on that one. Ooh, nice. I bet one of our listeners will, though. Yeah, email it to us. The Kate Bush Christmas special. <laughs> Her version of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer is so hilarious. <laughs> it is a tearjerker. Yeah. But Kate Bush <laughs> also does the, the famous uh, chorus vocals on Games Without Frontiers. Oh, man. Can you stump him at all? Do you have any sort of trivia to stump bass note? You know, I would still love... I mean, we talk about Kate Bush from time to time. Wouldn't she be a great git? No. (laughs) (laughs) Guys like us, Kate Bush doesn't want to hang out with guys like us. It'd be ridiculous. She'd be... 
<laughs> We'd be like hanging out with Yoko Ono or something like that. We'd be in a different. Uh, Actually, with the lots of laughs you date, you know, maybe. Yeah, you guys her and I would along. make a connection. Yeah. That would really upset you, wouldn't it? Like it was with me and Debbie Gibson. Oh, you were pawing at Debbie Gibson. <laughs> I, you know what? Here's the thing. You were sucking up to Gibson the whole time, and I'm the one who was kind of trying. I was poking and prodding, doing the Debbie thing to try to get a reaction out of her for better journalism. Yes. And I was pawing at her, <laughs> and then you're like groping her and trying to do a reach around. I, you know what? I was trying to be professional and try to give the listeners a good interview. Let's move on. What still didn't happen? Cut number four. The See, last, and then he does that all the time. What? He's got to undercut us, base note. You're part of it now. Is this an act? It's real. My anger, it's fears. There's some serious animosity going on here. <laughs> People think it's... People, the, People the cat's out of the bag. It's not. I the hate cat, him. Repeat, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> All right, song number four. Song number four. Here we go. That voice again. Tell us about it, bass note. This song, according to Peter Gabriel, is a song about judgment. And the original title of the song was The First Stone. But he decided to make it a little less biblical and a little more personal. And he, he had trouble with the lyrics of this song, so he brought in the guitarist David Rhodes, who has been his guitarist for many years, to uh, collaborate on this song. So this is one of the few songs on the album that has a co-writer on it. Nice. Hey, can I go off topic for a second? Yes, Just that a would second. be a first. Base note, I heard Salisbury Hill as I was coming to, to work today. Obviously, a lot of uh, uh, the Christ imagery. Is that, what, what's that song about? Is it? The, the so that song is basically about why he left Genesis. That's the, that That song is his story of leaving, why, leaving Genesis, wanting to go on, go on his own and be, be free, basically. Really? Yes. Wow. I've always wanted to know that. And is Shock the Monkey really about... <laughs> You know, no. According according Damn. to Peter Gabriel, that song is about jealousy. How shocking the monkey fits in with jealousy, I have no idea. Oh, that's just my childhood. You really wanted it to be about putting electrodes I wanted, on I wanted, your I wanted, genitals. I wanted it to be the whimsical puckish song by him, <laughs> as you would say. You know, it's whimsical and puckish. Uh, let me think. Seggies, you got it. Seggies. Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. And Sean Daly, a man on a mission, a man on a mission to Miami, came back and picked out his favorite. I came back from the Super Bowl early just to, just to do this godforsaken show. Only because I wanted to meet Bass Note. Right. I wish it was just the two oh, of us. I feel so blessed. Uh, today's letter. Only one letter. Hey, guys, the mailbag is getting a little light. And so is the feedback, for that matter. <laughs> when was the last time we got any snacks? Yeah, what's going on? I got nothing to eat. I'm wasting away to nothing, as Base Note can see. Yeah. And we need some mail, too. You know, all they had to offer me here was water. Come on, guys. Yeah, sorry. Get, get, get on the stick here. Send something <laughs> He is losing weight. Look how skinny he looks under that gigantic uh, metallic blue tent that he has for a shirt. <laughs> still and who, tell everybody who you met before the show. I did get to meet the lovely Stephanie Hayes before the show. Is she adorable or what? She looks like a little elf. Uh <laughs> Oh, I can tell you, she's going to love that. Uh, 
And I say adorable. I say that journalistically. Okay, our first letter is from Reich. Who? Who the hell? What? What is this? It's from Robert Michael Bozeman, who says, Dear Stephen, base note. What? What the Already? I've been usurped? I am new to the show and love it. You guys are great. I have listened to most of the archives and can't wait for the next episode. One thing I hate, though, people who go on and on about what you guys should do next with your show. I mean, what the hell? However, I'm about to do just that. I never, never hear a word about Dinosaur Jr., the Pixies, the Replacements, and Jane's Addiction. Guys, these were great 80s bands. There was a whole counterculture of underground bands that helped shape the 80s and gave birth to the 90s. I don't know if you want to be really no, proud about giving birth to good. the 90s. Why do these bands get no love? Why, Stephen Basenote? Why? I grew up in Tampa, and there are many of us who love these bands and feel they should get the love due them. In fact, I will make you a deal. Are you ready for the deal, Steve? Fire away. Every time you mention one of these bands, and let me repeat, that's Dinosaur Jr., The Pixies, The Replacements, and Jane's Addiction. Wait. Could you repeat that? Because yeah, I was yeah. drinking some water. Yeah, yeah. Dinosaur Jr., The Pixies, The Replacements, and Jane's Addiction. Did you say The Pixies, or did you say The Pogues? Uh, Dinosaur Jr., the Pixies, the Pixies, The Replacements, and Jane's Addiction. Every time I mention those bands, Robert Michael Bozeman will tell one of his friends about our show. Nice. So, to repeat, <laughs> Dinosaur Jr., The Pixies, 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 The Replacements, and Jane's Addiction. Based note, could you read those back to us, please? <laughs> I just want to make sure we get the pronunciation right. That would be Dinosaur Jr., yes. The Pixies, very cool band, The Replacements, the Mats, yes. Mats. And Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction. If I had to ask your opinion, base note, about Dinosaur Jr., <laughs> The Pixies, The Replacement, and Jane's Addiction, what would you say? Uh, Dinosaur Jr. did not listen to them very much. The Pixies and The Replacements love both those bands. So you say you loved The Pixies mm. and The Replacements, but not so much Dinosaur Jr. What about Jane's Addiction? Jane's Addiction, um, sorry to say, but I really associate Jane's Addiction more with the 90s than I do with the 80s. Actually, that's a very, very good Funny, he says Jane's Addiction is more 90s than Dinosaur Jr., The Pixies, or The Replacements. Mm, that's interesting about Jane's Addiction, Dinosaur Jr., and The Replacements. I think of The and Pixies and The Replacements. interesting about The Pixies, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. I you know what song I love by Jane's Addiction? Not The Pixies? <laughs> no. There's a little song called Superhero, which is the theme music to what show, Bass Note? Tell them. Damn, you Bass Note's Entourage. Play a little bit of Superhero. I always thought that was Dinosaur Jr. or perhaps The Replacements. <laughs> nope, it is not. It's Jane's Addiction. God. But you know who would do a great cover of it? The Pixies. <laughs> All right, Robert Michael Bozeman, you have your work cut out for you. Thank you for your letter. And Steve, tell our other listeners uh, how they can write to us and say hello to Basenote. As always, you can email us at stuckinnews at tampabay.com or find us on Facebook. We have a fan page there that just passed 2,100 members this week. Wow, really? That's great. 
What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, it's a segment where I play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, band stickers. Lots of band stickers. It's a lie. Bass note, it's a lie. Actually, you know what? I'll take it back. I have Ugh. a Michael Jackson t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right there. I have a Michael Jackson t-shirt that says, uh, don't stop till you get enough. I want that. What size si- is it? Not your size, my friend. Ah, crap. Cut down on the butter. <laughs> and uh, I will give that out. If you can get last week's mystery movie challenge correct, because nobody got it. No, not a single person. Not a single person. So I'm going to repeat it again. And if you can get it right. What was it like a, from a Steve Spears home movie? <laughs> yeah. Does baby like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a show. Daily Mama, no. Mama, no. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Basin. Ready? You owe me a dollar for uh, rights. <laughs> pay Mama, att- no rights. Pay attention. Here is the shirt winning clip once more. Don't you think we should uh, introduce ourselves? No, I, I think I know enough about you already. It's not that hard. You can give hear- him a clue. Give him a clue. <sighs> I mentioned both the names. I think I mentioned the name of this movie in our previous podcast. There you go. Head back there. Listen to it, or head off to the store, buy a Pixies album, or a Dinosaur Junior album, Replacements album, or an album by Jane's Addiction, and that will do you of no help, but it'll give us four more listeners. As always, send your answers to stuckinies at timpa.com and then tune in next week to find out if you are a wiener. Nice. Yeah. Ah, uh, that mystical refrain from Peter Gabriel means it's time for Name That 80s Tune. Hey, signature event here on the podcast. I will play a little clip of a song from the 80s. If you can get it right, sorry, but the t-shirts go into the, uh, the movie clip, I'm thinking. Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery tune. That was yesterday by Foreign. But that was yesterday. I had the world in my hands. But it's not the end of my world. Just a slight change of plans. Sean Daly, you missed a great concert when you blew off the Foreigner show. I was at a different concert, wasn't I? I was at like Miley Cyrus or something. Oof, you might have been. I was at another show. Yeah. I feel sorry for you. Oh, the excellent Miley show. Cyrus? It's really? my job, Basto. You know <laughs> oh, that. You know, I, this is what I, know. I do. This is how I feed my children. I know, but... Guess who has to go see later this week? Tomorrow. I know. Dude, I, I talked to him on the phone. I gotta go give... Sh- I'm gonna see Black Eyed Peas. Uh, <laughs> I interviewed Will <laughs> I Am. So unclean. I, <laughs> I interviewed Will I Am, like, drinking pina coladas in Key West. Come on, guys. It's the rock and roll lifestyle. Who doesn't want to be Sean Daly? Cricket, cricket. I don't think the words uh, rock and roll lifestyle and pina colada have ever been put together. <laughs> I don't, in I don't think the words rock and roll lifestyle and black eyed peas should go together. You know yeah. what? I don't apologize for uh, what I do. <laughs> That's such a bad I, you know, I got no problem with you doing your job, but personally, I'd rather you know walk on my tongue through broken glass than listen to the black eyed peas. I would pay to see that, though. I would pay yeah. They were great. They played here uh, a few weeks ago. They had Eddie Money, you know, who practically lives. Uh, I think he lives in the, the apartment below me. <laughs> he, opened, he opened up for him. It was a great show. I got to go backstage and meet Mick Jones and the boys. They were nice. They were uh, Mick. Mick was there. He said, "No, oh, you're the boy who put this on." The- what? What's wrong with Foreigner? You love Foreigner. Screw with you in front of bass note. You know, I got to say, I, I've, I've got bitch. the new Foreigner album, the Cancel It Out album. I got to say, that's a great album. It's a good it's album. A very great album. Sean yeah. loves it. You're full of. D-
When Sean is not listening to Dinosaur Jr., the Pixies, the Replacements, or Jane's Addiction, I guarantee you he's listening to Cancel It. Okay, the ironic thing is even though we interviewed Mick Jones from Foreigner, nobody got that right. Sadly. You know how many people got this right? 137. As long as no one from (laughs) Finland got it right, I'm fine. So let me read the winners, okay? Go ahead, fire away. Gary and Gilroy, Melissa C., Jim in Virginia, Jeff in Minneapolis, Weather Guy in Minnesota, Frozen Wasteland in Finland. What the (laughs) hell? Is that real? For, are you just trying to? Screw no, 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 no. He, there, someone from Finland, and he said he could not. He would not give me his name because we wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Frozen wasteland in Finland, and yet he's still a fan of the show, even though we've uh, we dragged them to the proverbial mud. Finland, actually, they were really mean to me. Thing that, like my scree- screeching. <laughs> All right, more winners. Tim in Minneapolis. We got a lot of listeners in Told Minneapolis. You. It's growing. Pat Hogan in Waldorf, Maryland. Cole in Dallas. John Brant in Iowa. The Pittsburgh Kid. Chainlift in Winter Park, Florida. Paul from Rhode Island. And the great Patrick from Cincinnati. Chainlift. I love that nickname. That is, that is a cool name. Chainlift in Winter Park, Florida. Lift. What does that possibly lift. mean? I'd love to see a steel cage match between Bass Note and Chainlift. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Bass Note. I don't know. With a name like Chainlift, I think he'd kick my ass. Easily. Pay attention. Chain lift. Pay attention. This is this. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at stuckings at tempe.com because for one last chance today, Base Note gets an opportunity to call you a wiener. He's enjoying that way yeah, yeah, too way much. Way too much. He kind of looked at me and like winked when he said it. Please, please tell me. Hey, Basin, let me ask you, as a longtime listener of Stuck in the 80s, what do you think about Please Please Tell Me Now? I like this segment. Do you? Was, Are you was, saying that because you're locked in the studio with us? No, because, you know, I sent you guys one recently, and you guys did it, and I think it's pretty cool to learn a little bit more about you guys. Yeah, very little. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it's lies. Well, this week, you know, it's interesting because earlier in the show, Steve said that you were only the second fan to sit in the studio and uh, be part of our podcast. Do you know who the first fan was to do that? The great Jeff in Cuba. And ironically enough, Jeff in Cuba has resurfaced, not just with a PPTMN question, but also he sent a letter to Stephen and I. And Steve, tell us a little bit about where Jeff in Cuba is now these days. Well, he left Cuba. He left the Navy. He's a civilian now. Yeah. He's living in Hildensen. Hildensen Hildensen my family and I are looking for sex. Um, a He's small, in Germany. Yep. Germany, a 1,200-year-old village outside of Stuttgart. Stuttgart. So, and he says that uh, Germany right now is enjoying its uh, longest stretch of snow in 30 years. Wow. Kind of like the Midwest. Can you imagine that? No, I can't even imagine like 30 minutes of snow. He says, it's the longest stretch of continuous snow in 30 years, and my freshly transplanted Caribbean blood can't take much more. I'll see you on the blogs, Jeff in Cuba. P.S. I think I'll keep the Jeff in Cuba moniker. I like the non sequitur. There you go. So he remains Jeff in Cuba. You can't say Jeff in Stuttgart. But Jeff in Germany. Jeff in, Jeff in Germany. Jeff in Germany Hildren sounds good. Is, isn't Hildren there another Hildren listener who's, who's Jeff in Germany? No. There no. wasn't Jeff in Germany. And, and, yeah, but there was a Jeff somewhere, but I haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> Where are you, Jeff? <laughs> Other Jeff, you know, it must be really hard being the other Jeff in guy on Stuck in the <laughs> yeah, Eighties. I mean, what a what an unfortunate nickname, yeah, you know. Jeff in Pensacola gets yeah. shorted every time. Yeah. 
That's pretty funny. Anyway, here you go, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff in Cuba has a PPTMN. Are you ready? Steve, Basenote, and Sean. That's really nice. It's, it's really polite. I'm enjoying the new, uh, newly robust Segi's portion of the podcast, which brings me to my first ever PPTMN. When the 80s started, no one had a CD player, and popular music was distributed on vinyl cassette or the landfill scourge that was Kassingle. Do you ever have a Kassingle? I actually still have about 30 Kassingles. Oh, my wow, God. Really? Yes. They're holding up. Do they still play? They still play, yes. Now, you're a wedding DJ, right? I am a wedding DJ. Do you yes. play Kassingles at your weddings? No, I stick to CDs and uh, my iPod for weddings. You know, that's really interesting. I, I digress a little bit here. Uh, that's fine. Uh, uh, so no more vinyl, obviously, when no. you DJ a wedding. But I'm glad that you still have the CDs because I've been to a couple weddings where it's the DJ is literally sitting up there with his iBook. Yeah. And he hits one button and then that's it. You see, I, I don't like doing that. I just I don't want to have the, the laptop there and just, you know, play with the computer. I, I like being able to mess with the CDs during the show. It's, yeah. It's, don't you think that p it, it, people feel like it actually makes me it, it actually makes me feel like I'm doing something right. I couldn't believe it. I mean, technically, you could be a wedding DJ and just bring your iPod and hook it in there. Like, click. All right, I'll be back in four hours. Well, I do. Congratulations, I, <laughs> uh, John and Jane. You know, I do bring my iPod and I do use my iPod at some sometimes. If I can't find something on one of my discs, you know, I'm. My iPod has a lot of songs on them, so I'm pretty sure that song will be I on the iPod. I would bring a crate of vinyl just to be, uh, you for know. For show. For show. Yeah, just for show, you know. A little reel-to-reel -reel action going in the background. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'd hit the mic and I'd you, sing a song. You realize how much extra setup that would be to put up a turntable? Oh, <laughs> I imagine, but I'm just saying that I was aghast and taken aback when I saw a wedding DJ who was probably making, you don't have to tell me how much you make, but I, I imagine it's like two, 3000 a gig, and all he's doing is like, click, I'm going to be at the bar next door. But start skipping. Just go over here and shake the computer a little bit. Anyway, back to Jeff's letter. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for letting me digress there. Uh, here's my multi-part question. When did you get your first CD player? What caused you to make the digital leap? And what was the first CD you purchased? I bought my first CD player in December 1986 as I furnished my first bachelor pad just outside of Waikiki in Honolulu. A lot of people you don't know that uh, Jeff's real name is Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, he did play uh, Magnum P.I. Jeez, 86, Jeff was uh, opening his first bachelor pad. Jeff and Q was like 78. All right, the first CD I purchased was Peter Gabriel's So. Oh, it's good choice, Jeff. Sense. Good choice. And I can remember sitting on my uh, folding chair, which with the TV and stereo comprised my entire furniture collection, marveling at the beauty and power of the music and the clarity of the sound. But the thing that was the most amazing was the ability to move instantly from track to track at the push of a button, free forever from fiddling with a tone arm. Mm. See, I kind of like doing that. Don't you, Bass Nut? Do you still, you still rock the vinyl at home? Every once in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while. That's my CD story, guys. So please, please tell me now, what was yours? Go ahead, mm. Bass Nut. Your first CD. My first CD player I bought in 1990. And I went out and I also bought, I bought three or four CDs. And one of them I know definitely was Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. I believe so was one of the other ones. And I'm pretty sure Aerosmith's Pump was another one. Mm. Really? Yes. What was on Pump? Oh, well, that was the first of their new That's deal. Janie's Got a Gun yeah, and Love in like an Elevator. Yeah, that was Virgin or somebody, right? They, they wrote that new no, deal. No, that was uh, their third album for Geffen, I think. Oh, was it? Yep. Uh, um, Steven? 1989. 
I bought it after I got the very first raise at my first job in Tampa, and it was um, nine man. It was it was definitely Peter Gabriel's so was one of them. I, I want to say like a Rolling Stones album was one of the ones as well. I can't remember which one. And then Steel uh, Wheels. No, nothing from the eighties. And then uh, uh, Paul Simon's Graceland. Oh, good one. My mom uh, bought me this monolithic Sony stereo system, and the speakers were the size of canoes. Oh, you yeah. Know? Not like today's little thing. And so this came with a CD player. I think I had like a 300-disc changer, something ridiculous that I would never... I'd forget about stuff to be back there. But my first three CDs, which were, um, were Journey's Greatest Hits, Neil Young's Live Rust... I love the song Comes a Time. And uh, the Bob Dylan box set Biograph, hmm. which just came with uh, three CDs. So there you go. And I could crank that thing. Only the Young. My favorite thing to do was put in Journeys Only the Young in this, in, in, in the sound coming out of these gargantuan elephantine speakers. It was so friggin' loud. I mean, I turned that sucker to six, the CD, and it was just. Did you put on a rubber suit and run across bridges like Loudon Swain in Vision Quest? <laughs> no, I didn't. But you know what? To thank Jeff for his, uh, his, his thoughtful letter and thank Based on, why don't you play a little bit of Only the Young right now? She's crafty. She gets around. She's crafty. She's- oh, come on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you merry prankster. Tell the people where they can send in their PPTMN questions. As always, you can always email us at stuckinies.tempe.com, but please remember to put PPTMN. I have to sing it now. Yeah, you do. It's like the ABCs. <laughs> uh, PPTMN. <laughs> put it in the subject line. Put it in the subject line so we don't lose it. And then tune in next week. If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s, just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever, only at TampaBay.com. And we are back and ready to talk about the side two of Peter Gabriel's So, starting out with this song. That's in your eyes. Ah, beautiful song. Now let me ask you uh, an iconic song, obviously, in "Say Anything," but this wasn't the biggest hit off the album until the movie, right? Like the big big hits were were, were big time, were Sledgehammer stuff like that, right? Like was it was it wasn't just an album cut until it Cameron was Cut's it was discovery? an album cut. It really didn't didn't uh, hit big until the movie "Say Anything." That's that's when it, it kind of took off on the charts. Yeah, it was never released as a single, right? There, I, I actually have the dreaded single oh, really? of In Your Eyes, which has a remix version of the song nice. and a live version. Oh, okay. Famously with, um, with this song, I mean, Cameron Crowe wanted it for Say Anything, and Peter Gabriel wouldn't give his permission easily until he saw a cut of the film. And so um, Cameron Crowe had his production people send him a copy of the film. Uh, Peter Gabriel calls back and says, I'm... I'm okay with it, but I don't really like the fact that the guy ODs at the end. 
And it took a while to realize they had sent the wrong movie. They sent a copy of Wired, which, the John <laughs> oh, Belushi, oh my god, the John Belushi movie instead of uh, say anything. So there's your backstory there. And I believe that the amount of money they paid for the song was probably the single largest budget line in the movie. It was much but, more than they really wanted to spend it for it. Paid off, right? Yeah, exactly. Paid off big time. Cool. Uh, can you add any more to In Your Eyes? Is, that, um, is this about Rosanna Arquette? No, but uh, <laughs> this album kind of was the, the ending point of Peter Gabriel's marriage, thanks to his uh, infidelities with said Rosanna Arquette and other uh, women. I so he and, he and his wife Jill, pretty much after, after, after uh, he got very popular from this album, went their separate ways. So he cheated on his wife with Rosanna Arquette. Wow. Yes. Makes no yes, nods. Yes. Yes. Sadly. It's a sad yeah. nod. And then, why he picked Rosanna Arquette? That's why I'm thinking that that's a sad I have not a no choice. idea. She's kind of mousy. I don't but, like those Arquettes. That probably won't be the first question. It had something, it had something to do. She, she was working with Amnesty International, and he got involved with the Amnesty International yeah. tours. So that's how they kind of hooked up. But this is this is an epic live song. This song is fantastic live, especially during the show tour because Yusu Endor and his band toured with Gabriel and opened the shows for him. And they would come back out the whole band, Yusu Endor's whole band, you know, all his drummers, all his dancers would come out, and they would play this song. And you know, it's a six, uh, five and a half minute song on the album. The live version was ran something like eleven minutes. Oh, that's great. Nice. <laughs> and then Yusu Endor has that like. Oh yeah, I love that he, part at the what, end. What kills me is he can re- reproduce that vocal exactly. And everybody's live. waiting for that fill. Everybody's waiting for exactly. It, you know? Nice. I was I kind of recreated pretty well right there too, don't you think? Spearsy, kidney stone. I thought it was. I'd have to jam myself with a knife. <laughs> okay, this next song is also one of my faves off of So. It's Mercy Street. Take it away, bass note. Fantastic song. I love this song. This uh, After all these years, this is the song that still stands out to me on, on this album. This is my favorite song, mainly because I saw him do it live. And when he did this song live, you could, you could cut the tension in the air with a knife. The audience would just be, just be mesmerized by what he was doing on stage. He would be like huddled in the middle of the stage, on the floor, microphone up to his mouth, and just rocking back and forth like he was going insane. And he had these these lights that were on these huge arms that would come down real slowly on him and then pull back. And it was it was it was just a wild thing. And by the end of the song, he lets out this gut wrenching wail that I mean, literally, you could look around the audience and just see everybody getting chills when he would let this out. Like it, was, it was like a tuneful wail, or it was, was a tuneful, like- a very tuneful wail, but it's just. It, it went along with the music. It's, it's just kind of it's kind of building at this pumping pumping bass line at the end, and he's just he's he's singing this mercy, mercy, and he, then it, then he just lets out that wail. Mercy. 
just see everybody in the audience like, whoa. <laughs> I got chills from yeah. that story. Yeah. And it's just, just a fantastic live song. He still, does he still play this one on every tour? He still plays it. I think, I'm trying to think, I saw him last in 2003, and I do believe he did play this song. What songs from this album still make his tour? Um, when, his last, time, last time I saw him, Sledgehammer was played. Okay. Um, Mercy Street, Red Rain. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, in Your Eyes? In Your Eyes, yes, definitely. That's in, that's in, your, in, your eyes, in Your Eyes was the encore song. That's good. That's that's a good. That's a good uh, lineup. I hear he's a notoriously tough interview, though. Well, that's, that's, we've never asked. For, I've never asked for one with him yet. I, I, and I'm tempted to because I know he's got a new album coming out. But I'd love to talk to him. I, I mean, we've had our share of tough interviews over the years. And I mean, maybe we could just set it up, uh, set up through through May, you know, and, and not do like stuck knees if you thought we were some sort of novelty. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Well, he does, have, just he does the have the crap new out of him, too. No, hey, Peter, like, can you no, do it? But keep... we'd be professional. It's not like oh, you've yeah. been ambushed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we have strippers here. We want to talk to you. I mean, it's not like we're doing Howard Stern. We're professional I, and men. And I would never ask him to do a bumper. Yeah, because he'd be like, hey, Peter Gabriel, can you say, <laughs> it's Peter Gabriel? Waka waka. <laughs> anyway, what? well done, based on. All right, we'll, we, we'll move on. And now, here we go. The seventh song on the album would be your uh, third song on side two of your vinyl version of So. Big Time. I'm not a big fan of this uh, song. I think if you take one, if you could throw one song off this album, I would pick this song. See, I like the uh, the the vaingloriousness of it, the false vanity. Yeah, big <laughs> big surprise. It speaks to me. Well, actually, uh, this this song is about the narcissism of the '80s. Of course, it is. Yeah, so like yeah, it. <laughs> it falls in perfectly what are you for Sean. About? <laughs> Mumble about? Yes, I love it. <laughs> big time. Uh, what I like about this song is, of course, the bass line, me being bass note. Um, Tony Levin, the, the bass player for Peter Gabriel, also bass player for the band King Crimson. Wow. And has played with numerous other people, including Paul Simon. If you've ever seen the movie One Trick Pony, he was, he was in that movie, in Paul Simon's band. Uh, Tony Levin had a, has a book out called Beyond the Bass Clef, and he has several stories, and Something that originated from this song is a little thing he calls the funk fingers, which Sean can make whatever joke he wants about that. See, why would you say something <laughs> like that? You know what? And honestly, Spears is more of a dirty guy than I am. I know, rather, well, I know about the funk finger. Let me put it yeah, that way. I know, it's in, you got one in your trunk in your bedroom. <laughs> really? I'm the nice guy. I'm the gentleman lover. <laughs> Spears is like Dr. Funkenstein. But if it, at the sorry, beginning of the song, continue based on your classy. At, okay, sorry. <laughs> at the beginning of the song, there's there's a you know, very kind, kind of iconic bass line that thing that goes on at the beginning. That was actually pr- played with Tony Levin doing the the fret part with his left hand and Jerry Murata, the drummer, playing drumsticks on the bass strings. Oh, that's cool. Well, nice. to recreate that live, Tony Levin had to try and figure out how to play the drumstick on, on the bass. So he would mess around with it, and he would get close to it, but he couldn't quite get the exact same sound. So one day during a sound check, he's up there messing around with the drumstick, and Peter Gabriel walks by and, and says, 
why don't you find some way to attach two drumsticks to your fingers? And, of course, the light bulb goes on in Tony Levin's head and he immediately looks at his bass tech guy and says, can we do that? Meaning, can you do that? Yeah. And that's how the Funk Fingers were born. It's basically two cut-off drumsticks that got attached to his index finger and his middle finger on his, on his uh, picking hand. And he would just play, play the drum line on the, on the bass. That's cool. Different. That's cool. Again, I was mesmerized by bass. <laughs> I know. Okay, so can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. In choosing your nickname... Why did you not go with bass clef or bass line? Why did you go with bass note? Because uh, I think bass clef and bass line were already taken. Yeah. <laughs> bass clef in uh, Boston. Bass <laughs> clef in Boston. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And bass line Stuttgart. Now who now? Again, yeah. Jeff ruins that because now, yeah. It's not good. Anyway, very cool. Very, very cool bass note. You did your research. Maybe I should start doing some reporting. Wouldn't be. This might be a good show. <laughs> yeah. But now we get to some rarities, Steve. And yet Peter Gabriel lovers... Say so these are some of their favorite songs of his, and his expansive songbook. Aside from uh, bass note, how many Peter Gabriel <laughs> fanatics do you know? But tons, tons. I'm not counting bass clef in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do what we're told. Milgram's Thirty Seven is the fourth song on side two. This song is probably one of the heavier subjects on the album. This is based on a psychological experiment conducted by Dr. Stanley Milgram. In, I'm trying to remember what year that was. It was in the late 60s. Uh, it was a psychological test in where there was someone who was the teacher and someone who was the subject. And the subject was supposed to memorize this list of things. And the teacher would question them. But the teacher would be in another room with this box that had all these different switches on it, which were supposedly supposed to deliver electrical shocks to the person answering the questions. I think Peter Gabriel stole this from Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, this was, this was an actual, uh, actual experiment. And the 37, the Milgram's 37, has to do with 37 of the 40 participants who would actually go all the way to the highest level to the, to the shock that would deliver an actual, something that would actually really hurt the person. But in in all actuality, the people receiving the shocks were all actors. They were not hooked up to anything. Oh, wow. So it was basically an experiment to see just how far the teachers would go. It's like Scientology, basically. Wow, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so 37 out of the 40 would go to what they called the triple X button. Steve, Steve goes to the triple X button every <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> Which would supposedly give them a shock that was severe enough to injure the person. There's only one last song now. That uh, from the Peter Gabriel So album appears on the CD and cassette, not on the vinyl. Another one of my favorites. This is the picture, Excellent Birds. This song originally appeared on Laurie Anderson's album, Mr. Heartbreak, in 1984, I believe. 
it was a different version of the song, a little bit slower, a little little different arrangement of the of the song. So this was Peter Gabriel's remake of the song, which he got Laurie Anderson back in the studio to re record. I used to uh, call the campus radio station at University of Florida at two in the morning and request this song because uh, one of my fraternity brothers was a DJ working that shift, and um, that was just my way of saying, you know, someone's actually listening. And he he was a big Laurie Anderson fan too, so he would play it. And it was a jazz station, so we had really no business playing it, but that was the it was somehow under his approved list of songs he could play, so we would play this song all the time. Nice. So it's Hence uh, my uh, right. mystical connection to it. Very See, poignant. No, uh, no triple X, no funky finger references <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> so what do you think um, is the legacy of this album going forward out of the 80s? Well, I mean, Peter Gabriel was kind of uh, had it both ways, right? It's a pretty artistic album, and yet it was also... Uh, commercial blockbuster, right? You know, so I think that uh, I think it definitely helps. You know, the the, the block of '80s music. He, he was so smart; he manipulated the times, but to his own benefit. You know, he knew it was going to sell, and the videos are very like kind of uh, 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 friendly to the eye, perfect for MTV. At the same time, I don't think Peter Gabriel is the kind of guy who can. Um, just kind of to sell out. You know, we, we never call him a sellout. He's no. been an artist no. through and through. So I think that, um, you know, I think it's a, a pretty brilliant piece of piece of art. It just happens to be a great pop album, too. I mean, as far as you would say, like, albums, your, your top 100 or so albums of the 80s, this would definitely be in my top five. Yeah. As far as, would I say it's Peter Gabriel's best album? No, I wouldn't. Whoa. Ooh. Interesting. Us, I would, I would, no, I would actually say that his third solo album, the one with Games Without Frontiers and Biko, would be his mm. best album. Oh, that's a good one, too. Us is a great album. Breakup album. You like that one? Kiss That Frog? I do like that album a lot. Talk to me. It's Again, it's pretty uh, poppy, too, but that's I like that. Yeah. And uh, this year, starting this spring, people around the world will get a chance to see uh, Peter Gabriel live. He's beginning a world tour, a very short world tour um called the scratch my back tour and it begins in stuttgart germany <laughs> we have then, a correspondent there then, then in boston now it plays uh berlin paris london and then it includes a couple dates in the u.s in la and new york and then one date in montreal huh. and, and the album scratch my back will be released in europe and the uk on the 15th of february nice. and it will be released in the u.s on march 2nd i'll review it for you base note Oh, excellent. I'll be there. So another iconic album of the 80s. I'm going to say something right now. I feel a lot of love in this room. <laughs> but, but, I feel a lot of love in these pants. But. And um, <laughs> it was great. Based on you're one of my favorites. Uh, it's an honor. Sorry, here, shake my hand. Come on. Buzzer. Anyway, uh, it's been great. We love having our fans in here. You know, and you did an excellent job. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And you know a hell of a lot about Peter Gabriel. Yeah. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come in and do this. It's been a, we wouldn't been a blast. Say to just everybody. I wouldn't let Dan Vay in here. Yeah. Get Dan, out of here, Vay. Vay's here next week for our Weird Al Yankovic uh, <laughs> retrospective. <laughs> really, his feelings are going to be hurt. <laughs> he had a really good expose on Another One Rides the Bus. That's <laughs> really laid out. Hey, that's all we got for this week. Uh, our special thanks to Bass Note and his infinitely patient family for allowing him to spend the afternoon with us. My friend Sean Daly and Bass Note remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. 
Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. <laughs>